Hi everybody and welcome to episode 2 of Becoming a Butterfly. Today's episode is going to be all about eating disorders, my experience of them, what I went through, a bit about the priory, um, different types of eating disorders and yeah a few little tales. Everything I talk about is personal to me so other people who've experienced the same um, or know people have might not have experienced exactly the same, they might not agree with a few things I say. There is no one size fits all with mental health and especially eating disorders. So things started going, I'll say wrong, for me in 2011. So I was 14 years old at the time when I decided to start a diet. First ever diet I'd ever thought about. Didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really know what diet was. I just knew it helped you lose weight. But I only got things from magazines. Now I haven't read a magazine in years. So I don't know what they're like nowadays. But the ones I was reading were telling me what was in other people's fridges. It was telling me how much... I should eat, it was telling me foods not to eat, foods that were good and bad. Um, and right now, looking back on that, I can just laugh because I don't think any food is bad. It's boring um, to hear it all the time, but it is all about moderation. And that is one thing I've definitely learnt with what I've been through. So things started when I went to America, I ate anything and everything that I wanted which was fine, I enjoyed it, I wanted to, but I came back and that's the first time I looked in the mirror and thought, I don't like what I see. So I wanted to change things and these magazines were telling me how to do it. So I first decided to cut out snacks because everyone says snacking is bad, don't snack, mindless eating, etc, etc. So I kept all my meals the same size, I probably increased the meal sizes to be honest, not much changed. Then I decided to cut my meal sizes smaller I didn't cut things out I just made them a lot smaller then I started getting a few compliments people at school or in pictures saying how good I look I thought hmm must be this diet because that's what the magazine says it says people start complimenting you and telling you you look really good so then I decided to cut carbs out because you know carbs are the devil she says after eating a bagel um so I cut carbs out and I was still playing six different team sports I was still going to all of them that gave me an excuse you know I don't have time to eat or I ate there little did I know I wasn't fueling myself for these sessions I didn't know anything about how food affected your sport how food affected your mentality I literally did not know anything I just read these magazines and thought I'm doing the right thing yeah for a 14 year old to go on a diet is pretty ridiculous so there we are. I did this for a few months. Not much happened. I got a few compliments, a few th- small body changes, but nothing I was really happy with. I remember going on an amazing holiday. We had a personal chef. I rejected every single one of his desserts because, sorry, I only eat fruit for dessert, was my response every single evening when he made these amazing cakes and sweets and treats for us. Um, and then that was in October. And then it got to, after the Christmas holidays, I remember coming back to school I was on the sideline at netball practice waiting to go on and I went on and then after about five minutes my teacher took me off and I was shocked no idea why and she just looked me in the eye and she said are you eating and I just broke down started crying no idea why because I did not know that food affected your emotions and how you thought process and things so yeah I just started crying I didn't know what to say I didn't know what to do I felt like she was challenging me, but she was actually just looking out for me. And that's quite a common thing um, with eating disorders. People who are suffering just think everyone is trying to control them. So I said, yeah, of course I am. 
why would you think that? She went, you're looking very skinny. And at this point, it had been September to, let's say, January. So that's three or four months. Um, and it had been a gradual at the start. And then since when I cut out carbs, it obviously just skyrocketed. But the funny thing was, it's not funny, but you know that phrase, the funny thing is, I was looking in the mirror and I didn't see anything different. To me, this was a lifestyle. This was just me being healthy, going on this diet. Everyone does it. The magazine's telling me to do it. They're getting sold in millions. I can't be the only one doing it. I didn't know what I was doing to myself. I didn't have any background about mental health, about eating disorders, about nutrition, fitness, diet, nothing. Just a lost little 14-year-old girl, really. Trying to... um, I didn't really... To be honest, I don't know what I was trying to do. I don't know what I was trying to achieve apart from lose some weight on my thighs and my boobs and my bum really i am relatively small i always have been five foot tall and sassy is what i tell everyone i'm not actually five foot i'm four eleven and a half never mind um so yeah i've always been small i've always had a sporty physique but i never liked that my boobs always seemed to be quite big i always said i felt out of proportion lots of people said oh i'm so lucky to have big boobs have a good bum have thick thighs they save lives yeah they do now i know that but not back then I hated it. Um, So these are a few things I wanted to change. And you can't pinpoint weight loss, but these magazines were telling me I could do this for um, inner to lose your thigh, to get thigh gap, do this for abs. So I was exercising my bedroom after every meal, doing sit-ups, doing press-ups, doing funny, weird things, um, trying to hide from my family, not eating, taking food upstairs. This escalated and... March, March 31st, I don't remember it very well. Everything was a blur to me back then, really. Um, I'd lost a lot of weight. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll know I've shared a lot of transformation photos. I've mentioned my weight and weight changes in them. Wasn't sure if I was going to do it on the podcast, but I got to about 35 um, kilograms at that time. And you might think, wow, that's low, that's crazy. Um, But I was still looking in the mirror and I wasn't seeing a difference. I wasn't seeing a change. To me, this was just my life because it had been gradual to me. Um, I didn't really see the extent of it. I also didn't know the extent of it because I didn't know anything about eating disorders and mental health. I couldn't see what I was doing to myself. I don't even know if my friends and family knew what was going on. They just saw me lose all this weight. And I literally looked like skin and bones. Now, some of the side effects of having an eating disorder are things like wearing baggy clothes, wearing lots of layers, hiding from your friends and family, hiding food from your friends and family. And I remember my mum sitting me down before she took me to the priory with my dad, um, a list of symptoms of anorexia nervosa and said, tell me you don't have every single one of those. I just looked at her and said, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong with me. Because I thought I didn't have a broken leg. I didn't have a broken finger. I didn't have appendicitis, you know, all these physical, medical reasons I didn't have. So to me, nothing was wrong. I don't know why she was looking at the NHS website. But now, obviously, I do. And that's a big thing, I think. People aren't educated. I think nowadays, there's a lot more education out there. But I was exposed to things like Instagram and Tumblr when hashtag suicide, hashtag thigh gap, hashtag nothing tastes as good as skinny feels all these things you could just type in and so much tragic stuff would get shown to you I was 14 years old and I know there's people who are younger than me who were able to see that and that's terrifying that's really scary because I've had 
friends and family tell me that their friends and family have been ill from eating disorders and mental health issues and they don't know what to do and they come to me and they say you've been through it you've come out the other side what can you say and before I say anything I just think shit like it's such a big issue that people don't really know much about and even though yeah there's a lot of awareness about it now and charities and things I don't think people know the extent which is why I'm talking about all of this today because if I can share my experience I'm not sharing it for you to say oh gosh Sarah, I'm so sorry what you what you went through sounds so difficult etc etc like yeah I know it's difficult it's fucking tough but I've come out the other side and I don't want your sympathy I mean I appreciate it thank you but I don't need it now other people need it and they need your help so I hope that what I share today can help you help them or help you help yourself now a few other symptoms um of eating disorders when mainly when you lose a lot of weight and I don't want to add to the stigma that eating disorders are all about being a low weight because they're not um eating disorders can be any shape any size any weight any ethnicity anything like that but when you do lose a lot of weight your body has to react so you stop having periods because your body is protecting itself from losing all that blood it can't do it you stop sweating because your body cannot lose any more water than it already has been doing it doesn't have any food to function it's using the water your body also develops extra hair on your skin so i was developing literally what looked like pigtails of hair all over my body um i remember going to the gp with my mum before we went to the priory my mum i asked my mum if she could ask the gp if i could wax it off it's embarrassing you know i'm 14 i want to go out with my friends and stuff and i've got all this hair i couldn't i didn't want to wear short sleeves or anything or shorts but no you can't wax it off because that is literally your body's protective layer you don't have any fat so your body's using the hair to protect itself I had for years actually I had a massive bruise on my spine because I was leaning against things you know and you sat down and same on my bum bones and they were just hitting the ground and they're so bruised I had a scar on my back because I was so cold all the time I'd been sat up against one of those uh, portable radiators and it'd been scorching my back but because I was so cold I couldn't really feel it another one of these symptoms is hair loss so I know I mentioned about getting kind of pigtail hairs on your body but you lose hair from your head so I could literally touch my head and hair would just fall out and you're probably thinking yeah I've not suffered with an eating disorder and mine does too but I mean to quite a high extent so I had patches where I didn't really have hair my hair was very thin but massive shout out to my hairdresser who I've had for over 10 years and he's just been absolutely amazing through it all with my hair. So there's all these things that you never see, you never hear about, but they're common, you know, and I'm sure people listening can relate to that. So going back to what I mentioned a few minutes ago, um, 31st of March, I went to the prize, my mum and my dad don't really remember the day, like I say. I knew I didn't know where I was going and never heard of the prize before. Don't know if other people had at the time, but I know lots of people have now. And people always ask me um, what kind of shot me into reality and what kind of helped me. I think the Priory did worse um, at helping me through the eating disorder. It obviously did good in terms of it saved my life medically because they checked my heart rate and blood pressure. I was on OBS for 30 minutes um, for 10 days while I was in there. That meant that every 30 minutes they'd come and take my blood pressure and my heart rate because my heart rate had gone as low as 31 beats per minute. And if it went to 30, I'd have to go into hospital. And it did hit 30. Um, 
but only one day. So, you know, when you're that ill, you make as many kind of agreements as you can with the doctors and the staff. Um, So I managed to stay out of hospital. But yeah, again, these are medical things that you don't think about. I was literally on death's door. I remember lying in bed one night. Um, This was after I'd been an inpatient. I'd come home. My parents were obviously terrified. And I go to sleep one night, and my mum is saying night to me, and I'm telling her my heart's really hurting. And I still, like, sorry, not to this day, but then I still didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how much I was affecting myself, so I, I couldn't tell that uh, this heart pain was actually my heart struggling to do what it's meant to do, its basic bodily functions, because I wasn't giving it what it needed on a day-to-day basis. And I don't know, I've never really asked my mum, but I'm sure she probably knew what it was. So I think she went and offered me a biscuit, because, you know, you, do, you, you literally don't know what to do at this point especially when you've had no background of it, um, no experience of it before. So I remember her saying, like, do you want a biscuit or something? I said, I'll eat anything. I'll eat a roast dinner if it stops my heart hurting. It hurts that much. Um, If it stops all this pain, you know, take it away. I'll eat a roast dinner. So she goes and gets me a biscuit, comes upstairs. I just looked at her and thought, what what are you doing? I don't want a biscuit. I can't eat that. She's like, well, you just told me you're going to eat a roast dinner, Sarah. So you're going to eat biscuit. And that's how much anorexia affects your mentality. And again, using anorexia because that's what I dealt with first, but it could be any eating disorder. It's actually the wiring in your brain changes. So if you sat me, my anorexic brain, down next to me now, the anorexic brain literally thinks, sees this food and thinks completely different or differently about it. Their, that brain tells them, you know, you don't, food isn't for eating you don't eat this food you don't need it don't eat it but me now knows I need this food to fuel myself I need it to do basic things you need to eat a basic amount of calories every single day just to get by never mind you know work out and do everything else you want to do but people don't realize that again I remember my sister one day just saying to me we had an argument um it was so hard for my family but again at the time I couldn't really tell now I look back and think fuck I put my family through a lot pardon my French this podcast is meant to be PG but she said to me she said why can't you just eat the goddamn food and I looked at her and I was like you're just selfish and we both ran upstairs you know crying my mum's thinking what the hell is going on I'm a screw loose and my other sister's getting scared um but because people don't understand that it's not about you're not being selfish you don't have a choice when you get that ill your brain literally functions differently and it does not think of food as fuel it doesn't understand that you need to eat that to fuel yourself and equally um i think with families it's the hardest because with friends and other people that you see um say people at the priory you can put on a brave face but at home that's your kind of place to be you and I always joke around saying I've got so many different personalities and, you know, my home is different from everything else. And your family, at the end of the day, they want to see you get through this and everything they say and they do is trying to help you. But it doesn't always come across like that because when you're suffering, you kind of take everything as an attack and the people around you are kind of in pain because they want to help you but you're getting angry at them and they can see you don't want to help yourself. So it's a battle that everyone's kind of fighting. So I went in the Priory as an inpatient for 10 days. I came out, I started there. I was actually their first outpatient, um, first one on their programme. So I did that twice a week. I went in every Tuesday and every Friday. I missed 
every Tuesday and every Friday off school whilst going through my GCSEs, which was very, very hard. But that kind of led to another difficulty when I channeled all of my illness and all my free time into work. I became work obsessed. I was never great in school. I struggled a lot. I was never as clever as my sisters or some of my friends. So I use work, you know, as my kind of control because when you're that ill and you get put into these places to help you and your friends and family trying to help you you lose all your control but essentially these eating disorders are about you having control so you always find something else and I latched on to work and yeah that's probably the best time to do it you know got me the grades I needed but and I can look back and now and laugh you know my friends will always tease me saying Sarah you always handed in your work the day before it was due or you knew what you were doing before it got set and yeah it's funny I love laughing about it now because you know I I don't want to tread on eggshells about it but that's how serious it got I just spent every minute doing work because I couldn't do anything else. So I'm outpatient. You get a key worker, my key worker, Natalie. Probably, I don't know if she's listening. Absolutely amazing. And then Sophie came by. Again, both amazing people. Um, really helped me through everything. And it wasn't just about going into the Priory and learning about eating disorders and learning how to eat and all these challenges and things. Just having a friendly face, you know. I'd lost friends my family didn't really know what to do with me. I didn't want to interact with anyone. It wasn't about other people, you know, walking away from me. It was me not it was me walking away from them. So having the key workers and all the friends I met in the priory, I'm still talk to quite a lot of them. Now we've got a few a Facebook group, a WhatsApp group, and they're awesome. They're great girls. Um and it's nice, you know, that we've seen each other get through it all together. But that's kind of in a slightly warped way it's nice having those people um they can relate to you you can relate to them you help each other through so that's what the prior was good for but it was also bad because I learned a lot of things in there that you know I would never have learned if I hadn't gone in there and not stuff that was positive I learned about eating meals really slow um eating meals at certain times eating certain foods a lot of obsessive things I got from there and I took back into the into home and I made life hard for my family again, even more surprisingly. Now, these aren't things that can essentially be helped. Um, they're, you know, basic things to get you eating again. They're just not very helpful. And the quicker you get rid of them, the quicker you can recover. But I didn't. It was obsession. That was what I needed, you know, kind of a latch to keep me going. Um... So I was outpatient at the Priory about two to three years. I did leave um, at one point just because I thought, you know, it's only it's a 12-week cycle, their programme. Um, imagine being there two to three years and missing two days of school, trying to get through my exams. Yeah, it's not great, um, but I didn't know what to do. They were kind of my crutch. My mum and my dad, um, my sisters were great, but, you know, you ruin family relationships. I lost, like... I wasn't great friends with my sisters. I didn't get along very well with my dad. I put so much pressure on my mum. I didn't really have many friends left. It's not easy. So the priory was kind of what I used to get me through things. Um, so I stopped going. Um, I relapsed. I went away to Portugal in summer. Kind of drank my way um, into oblivion most nights in summer for eight weeks. Um, that wasn't great. I didn't know what else to do I was very lost so I got even lower than my initial lowest weight um I think my mum was just kind of a bit like oh let her do what she wants to do there was no helping me really at that time went back to the priory after that 
did another few cycles and then finally left for good and thought I need to get out of here um and that's what uni did for me going to uni kind of shocked me into reality and I'll talk about that a bit later um but also at the Priory, I developed um, some other mental health difficulties. I developed depression, OCD, anxiety, stress, panic attacks, all of that malarkey, which again, I'll talk about um, in another episode. But that's just another side effect of going through eating disorders, which people don't really talk about, but I do think they come hand in hand. I also think um, with all these kind of labels, you know, mental health labels are depression and what I've just mentioned eating disorders or not whatever they are there are labels and you go to the doctor or you go to the priory or anywhere else you go and you get told by these medical um experts who've studied it for years and they slap this label on you okay they don't literally slap it on you but that's what it feels like they tell you you're suffering from something and you just think great i've been labeled into this category and some people i don't know they might not do this but I did, and I know a few other people who do, but you live up to these labels. So for the years I was at the Priory, I was living up to this label that I was the anorexic in school, I had depression, I had OCD, I had panic attacks, all of these things. And you think, one day if you smile, you think, I can't do that, I'm depressed. Or you eat food, I can't do that, I'm the anorexic. And they're not nice. You make yourself into these people. And I actually had an image in my mind of that was with me every single day and I kind of I'm looking at the wall now and I can still picture it and that's what you think people see you as and I don't like normalizing or saying things are abnormal but but these thoughts and these images you have in your head and these conversations you have with you know your the good you and the bad you and these little demons they're not normal they're really not um I know lots of people have them nowadays some people might be listening to this thinking oh god I talk to myself every day I'm not normal no it's an extent you know um and to see this kind of devil and angel both sides of my head and then this image in the middle of what I think people think of me as um that's not really that normal but again another side effects that comes from all of this apologies if you can hear some little noise in the background I think there's a helicopter flying overhead probably going to save someone from the ocean because it's been absolutely manic this week anyway moving on um so labels yeah again like I said with the obsessive things and the controlling things that you can learn in the priory now the eating disorder wards same with labels once you can get them off your back the quicker you can do it the quicker you can move on from them um not obviously easier said than done but from past experience if you can recognize that you're kind of living up to these labels then you can stop yourself and your thoughts and break it down bit by bit so that brings us to the end of episode two part one about eating disorders and episode two part two will be coming in a few days that is talking about other eating disorders such as bulimia and binge eating and also mentions a lot about exercise so thank you very much for listening i hope you enjoyed it